Welcome to Podcaster News Show episode number 40. This is the podcast where we go over some recent articles, uh, newsworthy things from the podcasting space that weren't quite enough on their own for us to cover them on the podcasternews.com blog. My name is Sean Thorpe, and I'm with... I'm Jen Thorpe. And what is our first item on the list today, Jen? The first item on the list comes from Tech Central and was written by... Who is this written by? Exactly? Richard Brooks. Ah, Richard like. Brooks. Okay, so the title of this is Podcasting Set to Go Mainstream in 2017, which I got to admit kind of confused me because <laughs> yes. um, podcasting's kind of everywhere. Now, I don't know if Richard Brooks made that title or if an editor uh, altered yeah, whatever yeah. he created. I don't know. But um, it seemed kind of an understatement, you know, <laughs> like it's all over the place. We've got all these big companies that are, you know, gathering up podcasts and making networks and all this kind of thing. But uh, set to go mainstream, apparently, They're, he's referring to audio fiction. As so opposed uh, to for, for everybody who's listening, pat yourself on the back. We made it. <laughs> we're all mainstream, mainstream now. now yeah um well i mean i think that you know there's a lot of people now that are listening to podcasts and we've been we've you know talked yeah. about on this show about how more and more people know what that is and are listening and sure. there's tons of networks that are constantly introducing new podcasts you know i mean and some of them have big names and i mean you everybody can name some stars that have their own podcasts and stuff you know yeah. so you know mainstream i think it kind of got there already but anyway um well and one of the things i thought of about that title is there's been a group of what's what's the word i want to use here you know people that have been paying attention to the podcasting industry at large for a while now and they're anticipating the hockey stick effect and the reality is that the growth in podcasting has been more or less steady since, you know, 2004, 2005. There have been a few bumps where it definitely grew more in certain years than maybe it did in the prior year. But this kind of article is is trying to make the statement that, you know, 2017 is going to be the hockey stick year where you look at the growth of podcasting and suddenly it goes from a nice kind of even steady to all the way up to the top through the roof. And I guess that could happen, but historically that really hasn't been the case. But anyway, and um, <laughs> he, he does have, he mm -hmm. does have some interesting things that he cited here in his article. Apparently, uh, well, last month, a new uh, audio drama podcast called Bronzeville was launched, and it stars Lawrence Fishburne and Lorenz Tate, and it was hailed by some as game-changing with well, big, names big names in Hollywood see, production yeah. style. And there's a few other examples here. I mean... Right, it, yeah, there's a few more. There's um, the BBC Radio, uh, Radio 4 doing Stardust, which is uh, right. Neil Gaiman. Is it? Is that how you pronounce it? Gaiman? Gaiman? Yeah. I've heard both, I don't know. Yeah, but don't his know. work, Stardust, you know, and so they've got that now as an audio drama. And this this article is talking about, you know, audio fiction kind of stuff. Yeah, it's um, very focused on that. Yeah, you know, and uh, they're, the interesting thing, though, I think is like, okay, it's mainstream, so big-name actors are in it. We've had big-name actors before, but maybe not an audio drama? I don't know. Um, yeah. 
it's kind of stretching it a little bit, but you know, anyway, um, some of the points in here that I thought were interesting, cause it's kind of a long article. It's very detailed. It's well-cited and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking about, um, like, there's a paragraph in here. The great unknown of 2017 will be how the BBC decides to take forward its vision of a subscription-based Netflix-style service. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of you know, talking and about Netflix for podcasting right, or Netflix right. for audio kind of concept. Um, somewhere in there, unless I'm confused, I think uh, something that was mentioned was something along the lines of, well, you know, you've got people that binge watch Netflix and you have people that, you know, binge listen to podcasts while they're like jogging. We've talked yeah. about that, you know. Um, the idea here would be that the people, perhaps the concept is, well, we have all these people that like, you know, uh, fictional stuff that they watch on Netflix and they binge watch the entire series all at once. And then they do the next season and, you know, the whole thing, um, binge watching it before moving on to something else. And then they'll come back and do it again because they like this thing. Well, maybe if we give them fiction in audio format, they're going to binge listen the whole thing, you know, is kind of yeah. seems to be what they're counting on. And, and I think, and this is not uh, proposed in the article. I don't think so, at least. I think the concept is that, you know, some of these like, you know, BBC and everything else is saying, well, if we just provide this that's similar to what we see in video, then of course it'll translate to audio and we'll get all this huge amount of audience and all that. And I don't know if that's necessarily well, the case. And I think when I start to hear phrases like the Netflix of podcasting, Netflix, yeah. which the Netflix of podcasting, I'll, uh, remind uh, everyone was the terminology that was tossed about when Midroll launched its Howl service, mm -hmm. which is currently in the process of being rolled into Stitcher. Right. Because right. at least what I've heard is that uh, Howell did not turn out to be the big success that they were hoping for, so they're turning it they're they're turning it into Stitcher the new Stitcher Premium I think it's called, and the thing is, podcasting has thrived, I think, more because it's an open medium that can kind of live everywhere and what these companies usually want to do when they toss out terms like the netflix of podcasting is they want to enclose that system they want to be able to have a highly curated experience for users that is either a mixture of shows that they choose to let in plus their own original content that is then only available inside that ecosystem and thus kind of breaking the definition of what a podcast is or it's simply the latter where it's a ecosystem or an app that only contains that you know network or whatever their original material and you pay a monthly fee to gain access and again it's breaking how podcasting works because it's only available inside that it's not like you can take a, a feed from one of those shows and then turn around and subscribe to it in your favorite podcasting app of choice you can only listen to it there Right. So, so that's going to be a problem. I 
that's going to be a problem because yeah. like right now if they're comparing it to netflix okay it doesn't cost that much to get a netflix account no. you know a subscription is relatively cheap it's less than if you were gonna like get cable you know mm -hmm. so it's a lot less than that it gives you a, a wide variety of stuff you know and you can pick and choose what you want that kind of thing and this is what people are doing on netflix is they're getting their account and they're you know in some cases they're on their parents account because they live in the same house you know um that kind of thing you know so yeah. it's and it's inexpensive and it's accessible and you can watch Netflix, you know, on, you can, you know, hook that up to your TV if you've got a smart TV or if you've got an app that'll, you know, do it. Um, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about. Um, you can watch yeah. it on your, you know, your tablet. You can watch it on your desktop. You know, you could do those kinds of things. And with Netflix, if you want to, you can actually, I think, still try to order, you know, actual discs. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. So it's got a wide variety. It's inexpensive. You can, you know, binge watch your favorite show forever if you want, as long as they have it on there. Um, that's pretty easy. And it's not something that's, you know, breaking anyone's bank. You know, they always tell you, oh, if you want to see money you know cut out cut netflix cable, and that's yeah. like you know cut cut netflix and stuff like that they're saying cut your streaming services and mm. uh well you if know, you're it's subscribed like, to you know, nine of them yeah if you're subscribed to nine of them but if you just only have netflix and you cut that you're not really changing your situation no, too much uh -uh. you know but if you start like you know you're mentioning where you you've got like this proprietary little you know walled garden here of these are our yeah, shows that's and you, what they you want. must spend money to listen to our shows you won't have that Netflix effect because most people aren't going to say, well, you know, I want to hear this one show you have, but I don't want to pay $10 a month because I don't really know what the rest of that stuff is and I have no way of finding out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, when you think about Netflix, the reason that it became so successful is it solved certain problems, one of them being, I just want to watch something, I don't really want to think about it, and I want it to be easy to use, etc. It's right there. And it kind of became a content delivery system somewhat accidentally because of course originally netflix was about sending the dvds right mm -hmm. and they started the streaming thing kind of secondary to that and eventually it really took over and netflix realized that if they wanted to keep people subscribing to it that they had to give them original content and they're kind of stuck because they have to wait for things to to be released on DVD, and then they have to go through a whole other level of licensing. So they started producing their own shows, and they started producing really good shows. Well, podcasting isn't broken in the way that video was, I don't know, challenged at the time that Netflix became really popular. So these services that want to come and kind of create, as you said, which is a very good analogy, the walled garden, they're, they're not really playing anymore inside of, of what podcasting is. And I kind of feel like we've really diverged a bit from the original article, but it does talk well, about Well, the article's kind of a thing. good, you know, starting point, yeah. you know. But, I mean, honestly, if you are... 
if if you realize that people binge watch Netflix because it's easy, it's easily accessible, they can just turn it on, there it is, they don't have to think about it, it's not hard to obtain legally, you know, um, it's right there, there's your subscription, you're all set, you can just click on whatever you want. Um, and they're trying to say, well, we want that kind of thing to happen with podcasting. Well, that's iTunes, you know. Yeah. If I'm looking for a new podcast and I don't have anybody that, you know, I, I've run through what I listen to, I've run through what my friends produce um, and create, I didn't have anybody, you know, put on social media some new podcast that I desperately must hear, I'm going to go to iTunes and be like, what do they got? Here's a category. Okay, I'll pick this. Ta-da. That's more similar to Netflix than, you know, this walled garden subscription type thing. Yeah. You know? All right. Well, our second article is titled why branded podcasting could more than double in 2017 this was written by max williams for digiday there is a, a bit of a theme uh for this episode of podcaster there news is, show there's yeah. a lot of uh predicting what's going to happen with podcasting in 2017 articles that are kind of like this and i think the opening paragraph in this article makes an interesting point the podcasting has always been a lot like old time radio in 2017, it's about to get even more old-timey as podcast networks, publishers, and brands all embrace branded shows. And for anyone that's not entirely sure what the term branded podcast means, this is when a usually a large brand, and he cites uh, GE and uh, the, the GE and Panoply uh, produced the Message podcast, right. which mm -hmm. we have covered on the podcast we have covered on site. podcaster news in short um ge put together a podcast that was produced as though it was like a sci-fi you know kind of fictional kind of thing and they you know they sponsored it they produced it they created a cast of characters in this one it's uh i think the majority of the show is sort of presented as a podcast from a fictional character who's working on scientific stuff and they end up using uh They've got some message coming from an alien source, and they end up using some actual GE technology to decode it, mm -hmm. which you know GE has later stated. Of course, you can't do that with this, but the thing exists, and here's what we're really using it for. You know, it's yeah. like ultrasound equipment or something. I'm not sure exactly, but <laughs> it was in fact something produced by GE that was kind of vaguely mentioned in the show. Um, and the show was good from what I'm hearing. It got a lot of people's attention and it yeah. just was like they, they wanted to hear more. They wanted to know what happened. It was exciting. It had developed characters. It, was, it wasn't it was just like a thrown together advertisement, but it really was an advertisement for GE. Yeah. You know, that's a branded podcast kind of thing. Yes. And the idea is it's an advertisement that isn't beating you over the head with an ad it's just kind of lightly baked into the content and you may pick it up or you may not and i guess in in the wider world of marketing you would sort of put this under the category of brand awareness is what these companies right. are trying mm -hmm. to do yes but uh, max williams here is predicting that this will be a big year for this type of uh, branded content, uh, he said that uh, he says that uh, Gimlet Midroll and Gannett have all launched uh, brand studios. They've pulled in new advertisers, gotten existing ones to fork over more money, and some industry observers expect that branded content in podcasting 
will more than double in 2017. And I think the message from this article for... Not to be confused with the message not podcast. Not to be confused with the podcast of <laughs> the same name. Thank mm-hmm. you. The message for anyone listening to this show, as I suspect most of our listeners are probably more on our side of the spectrum in terms of probably not uh, running and or working for one of these large agencies. If you are, let us know. But um, the takeaway for this is that there are increasing opportunities for those that have the skill and the desire to go out and find companies, organizations, what have you, that are interested in having content made for them. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be something done at the level of the message where, you know, you're going to need probably a a script writer or two, an entire script of voice writers. Possibly. I haven't listened to the message yet. I've got it. I've downloaded it. I'm really bad about keeping up with podcasting. I'm going to try harder to listen to more stuff. But um, perhaps, considering the nature of it, there might be sound effects, and someone yeah, else might want to do that in one of their branded episodes. You one, know? A, one of the examples that is cited in the article, uh, he says, while GE's success in the medium is in a category of its own, there are other bright spots. Open for Business, for example, drew more than doubled the downloads Gimlet promised eBay. So this is a podcast open for business that Gimlet is producing in part, at least with eBay. And while I have not listened to it, my assumption is it's probably telling stories, maybe of people who are selling on eBay or eBay related things. And again, it's kind of operating like an ad but the content really is the advertisement. And I'm sure they have, you know, little drops in there that go, and, uh, you know, such and such did this with this thing from eBay. Wow. So I think those kind of opportunities are probably out there. And, you know, if, if you are a podcast producer and you want to get into this, you could probably just get into your own town, your own community, and, and find a, a business that has, you know, a reasonably high profile in whatever it is and just go, okay, you guys are doing this thing. You'd probably be really helped out by having a podcast and I'd I'm I'm a professional podcast producer. It just happens to live in your town. So and you could cite all the examples in here and actually a lot of the articles we're gonna quote in this uh in this episode right. with, mm-hmm. you know, sort of material uh to kind of back up your your sales pitch if you like to do dog and pony shows. Right. And, you know, some of this, um, it's not just for big businesses that are selling products, you know, like mm-hmm. GE selling products, right? Um, there's like, I don't know, agencies that are doing this too. Like I wrote about recently on Podcaster News that DARPA, the Defense Advanced yeah. Research Projects Agency, has its own podcast. And the purpose of the podcast was to kind of give you a window onto what they're doing and why. Yeah. So, I mean, otherwise you'd be like, what's DARPA? Why would you go look that up if it wasn't something you were intrinsically interested in? But now that they have a podcast called Voices from DARPA, which is an interesting title, um, yeah. you know, it, it sounds like, you know, 
what voices are you hearing? You know what I mean? Like they started, uh, they date back to the launch of Sputnik in 1957. So voices from TARPA makes you wonder if they're talking about aliens or something, <laughs> you know, in my opinion. Um, and that's not necessarily really what they're doing, but they're talking about like they're... So maybe the message isn't really fictional after mm. all. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> no, but what they did was they literally created this to try to get people to understand what DARPA's doing. Yeah. You know, it's not fiction, well, and the it's interesting... It's not fiction, but it's, you know, right. it's definitely, like, it's kind of on that concept. Like, GE wanted people to pay attention to GE. Right. DARPA wanted people to know what DARPA is, you know? Well, and it's interesting because DARPA being an organization that's been, for decades, dealing with some very secretive, classified, high-level, you know, quasi-military business... Suddenly they're going, well, you know, we want people to know what we're doing over here. And they decided podcasting was a good way to do that. And and I think it is a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. But they are not an organization that is doing any kind of what you might call retail business. No. You can't call no. DARPA up <laughs> and go, oh, yeah, I'd, I, I'd like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's DARPA or if it's the... Um, Maybe it's uh, Boston Robotics or whatever that has all these crazy, you know, robots. Some no, of them I'm not look sure. Like the ones that look like cows that go running around. Like that. There's like a video of the cow yeah, robots yeah, yeah, running down yeah, their hallways and stuff. I don't remember a, who it is. We're going down a rabbit hole now. Yeah, but... but, but my um, point is you can't call DARPA up and go, I heard about this thing on your podcast. And I sure would love to get one of those. Is there like a web I can go to? to yeah, order yeah, it's that? not like, like that. But the point is that, you know, if you... You don't necessarily have to make a fictional podcast to get people to notice your brand or organization yes, or company. Right. It just has to be interesting. Yeah. You know, but I can see where they're going with like some of these fictional based ones. And that brings us back to the Netflix of, you know, <laughs> potentially, <laughs> maybe potentially. <laughs> yeah. What's next on the list? Okay. So the next one is from, I think it's from Business Insider. And it's called Podcasters of Color Are Striving to Amplify, quote, the actual voices of marginalized folks, end quote, is the title. And um, let's see, it is by Charles Pulliam Moore on Business Insider. And the point that he's making is that um, what's happening, it appears, is that people that are doing podcasts, uh, the majority of shows that are highlighted, like if you go to anything that's pointing out, you know, the best of or the top 10 or uh, maybe even if you, I don't know if they looked at iTunes and counted, you know, or not, but featured podcast kind of things are, high, you know, they're, they're mostly hosted by white people. Yes. Which is not news. And, you know, I would further add that it's mostly white men. Yeah. You know, still it's changing, but that's, yes. this is what it is. Okay. Um, so what they're basically saying in here is that podcasts done by people of color are remain they remain significantly less visible. Okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're struggling to, you know, put together a podcast. I mean, they're doing well. They're doing just as well as any of the white people. It's not like there's a deficit of talent or resources no, or ideas or anything like that. They're simply not being featured, which is really yeah. unfair, you know? Um, so that's kind of what this was talking about. And uh, they talk about a San Diego-based producer named Sean Lau 
who published an open letter to uh, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, those kinds of producers saying, here are some steps you could do to uh, draw more attention to independently produced shows by people of color. Like, how about a podcasters of color tag so people could find it? Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. thing. Something very simple like that. And it would help a lot of people, you know, find more viewpoints than just, you know, the white people doing podcasts that are featured. Yeah. You know, and I this is... This is really important in a number of ways because, um, well, there's the obvious, okay? <laughs> you know, you want diversity. It gets boring when everyone's the same. But another thing is, and I think it's mentioned in here, um, that uh, podcasters, well, people in general, like there's a quote in here from, from Lau, okay, uh, that says that liberal white America wasn't paying enough attention to people of color. Voices of color, he insisted, were an integral part of accurately understanding just how real a possible Trump presidency was, and because they went largely ignored by many mainstream news outlets, their warnings fell on deaf ears. Now, there were people making podcasts about this that were people of color, and that just wasn't being featured. You know, you probably heard NPR and, you know, stuff like that, right? Um, And, you know, this is important. I mean, this is a whole vast group of people across the United States that has been, you know, paying attention to this stuff for longer than a lot of white America has and has been talking about it on podcasts and that's not what's being featured and so you can't find them. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's just kind of, it's it's important, you know? Branch out, people. <laughs> Go look for these podcasts. And there's a few named in here, you know? Some are celebrities, some are not. Um, different things like that. Some you've probably heard of. Um and, you know, one of them that's pointed out is um, Another Round from BuzzFeed. You've yeah. heard of Another Round. Uh, the ladies on that podcast have done a lot of, um, I want to say they were at Podcast Movement one year. Um, they've, but they've, they've been a lot of those at, kinds yeah. of things, mm-hmm. you know. So you've probably heard of that one. Um, they also pointed out WNYC's Two Dope Queens. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, some that you can take a look at, you know, um, in there that are, are different. And I know, like... Um, there's uh, two brown girls <laughs> yeah. that um, I listen to from time to time, which for me, that's a lot for me to go seek out a podcast. I have to really care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I do listen to their stuff. And um, I have uh, actually interviewed through uh, a um, email interview. I interviewed the two ladies on that show way back in the day. And uh, it's on Podcaster News somewhere. Right. Maybe I'll link to that. But um, I actually went... After the election, you know, I was listening to a lot of podcasts to see what people were saying and thinking and feeling after the election. And I went and looked for podcasts I'd never heard before and went and found ones I had heard before. And I went and sought theirs out to see what they said, yeah. you know, because I was looking for that. But I think the thing is, like, if you didn't know these podcasts existed and you're only listening to, you know, the East Coast podcast put together by, you know, NPR and very specific, like very white liberal kind of stuff how are you going to find these, you know? And something as simple as a, you know, podcasters of color tag sure. would be a brilliant way to sort yeah. of get some more, you know. Well, I know that for Black History Month, which is this month, that February, is, yes. that we're mm-hmm. recording this right now, right? that iTunes has put together a special featured list of podcasts, which... You know, they do pretty regularly for different topics or different events, depending on what's timely. And I know for me personally, I went through a period recently where I did get some opportunities to subscribe to 
some new shows because I I try to not let my my uh, playlist of available episodes get too long. Mm-hmm. But every now and then it happens where I find myself without anything to listen to, so I'll try and add a few new things in. And I really tried this time to not just automatically subscribe to only new shows where it was hosted by two white guys. Talking about tech. <laughs> or <laughs> whatever. Well, it's not <laughs> usually my personal thing I go after. Yeah, but, but my, I mean, how many but, how many shows are there There like are that, a lot you know? like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I tried to find, you know, different people to listen to, in part to just get some different perspectives other than, you know, what I might normally hear. And certainly having been in podcasting almost since the very beginning, I remember what it was like. And in the very beginning, it was mostly very white and very male. I will say this, that podcasting early on was very accommodating to seems like the wrong word, but it was from the very beginning, there were a lot of strong and prominent LGBT voices in podcasting, I believe from the very beginning. So while there's been a predominance of, of shows produced by people like me, it hasn't only been just people like me from the beginning. That being stated, there is still a deficit here that that we need to work on. And we can all do that simply by, if you're somebody like me that is a white male, then you can listen to some podcasts that maybe aren't produced by other white males. And you can find them on iTunes in that selection for Black History Month. That's a good place to start. Real easy. Pick one of those. See what you find. So uh, getting back to our sort of theme here, Our next article is titled 2017 colon podcasting's breakthrough year by Dave Van Dyke for bridge ratings. And anybody that's paid attention to the podcasting space for a while, you probably somewhat uh, familiar with the work of Dave Van Dyke and bridge ratings. And while I don't always agree with them, this is uh, Dave's latest uh, take on everything for uh, what it may be worth. And as I was saying earlier, if you are someone who needs to go do a dog and pony show to try to prove somebody that podcasting is valuable and it's on the upswing and they should hire you to produce a podcast, as one example, this would be a good article. There's some nice media in here, you know, charts, graphs, things to point to. And, stuff uh, that would influence someone to listen to you. Yeah, stuff. Here's that, how things are going. Look at this fancy chart. See stuff that I imagine people that you know spend more than an hour in conference rooms a year would pay attention to. If if it's not overly obvious, I'm it's, not. We're, it's we're very, not. It's laid out very business like. Corporate world. Yeah, it's anyway. it's laid out very business like. The. Uh, yeah. It looks like a business report kind of thing. So there, I think that if your mindset uh, is comfortable and used to this sort of format you'll probably get a lot more out of it than say i did because i'm not really Mm -hmm. familiar with all that my background's in education and daycare you know (laughs) so you don't see a lot of that and art a lot of art yeah um 
So, you know, I don't, we didn't really get a lot of, you know, charts and graphs on how to, you know, <laughs> mix finger paint for the preschoolers. You know what I mean? So it's just You'd kind think, of how though, it was. That would be incredibly helpful somehow, but apparently not. No, no. And actually, um, you know, if you want to uh, teach your students how to mix paint, the best way is to have them do it. Okay. Not to, you know, do charts and graphs. You could walk them through a little bit and say, here, look, this is this color and this is that color. Let's put it together and see what we get. And then you'll have them try. Yeah. And there you go. You don't need a whole thing like this. You know, it's just not my world. But if this is your world and this makes a lot of sense to you, then this this article's for you. Because I know there's a lot of stuff in here that's important that I'm just not grasping yeah. because it's not my format. Well, there is at least one thing in here I wanted to mention and uh, Dave says technology will be available this year that will reduce the three most problematic issues which have limited podcasting's potential. One, ease of use. Two, simple but powerful search capabilities. Three, consumption metrics for revenue generation. And I will say this much. On point number one, podcasting is as easy to use as it's ever been, and I don't think that's going to change too much unless he's really hoping for the walled gardens outbreak of walled <laughs> gardens that are you know a lot of people who approach podcasting from this perspective want to exist simple but powerful search capabilities you know everyone who doesn't like where podcasting is claims that podcasting has a discoverability problem i don't know maybe it's true it depends and, on how you look at it, because um, I do a lot of writing for different things. And now I didn't as much in the past. I do. This is what I do for my life now. And so if I need to write about a certain topic, I'm going to type that topic like into like Google News or something. Right. And rarely does it give me I don't think I've ever had a situation where I typed a topic into Google News and had someone's actual podcast website pop up. Yeah, that could potentially be a problem but i think most people if they're looking for a podcast they're not doing it the way i was doing that yeah, yeah mm -hmm. they're they're doing one of two things and they're, i wasn't necessarily looking for a podcast in if, that situation either if they don't have a specific podcast in mind where they already know the name of it they're going to google or they're going to their favorite podcasting app and they're searching for keywords i guess this could be improved i just I, I don't know. Well, this also comes back to what we talked about before, I think, in the last episode, talking about transcription. Because there's a yeah, lot of people saying, yeah. well, if you transcribe your whole podcast, then Google will pick it up like it's an article. And I don't know if that's true. I've never really looked into the research on that or tried it. Um, but that the concept behind you should transcribe your podcast is because then it's it'll be more searchable when really you should transcribe your podcast so yeah. people that can't hear it can read it. And then finally, this is this last point on the list, consumption metrics for revenue generation. This is one of those things that what, there what, is... What does that mean? Well, there's almost a... I'll call it a battle going on, which is there are groups out there that would like more detailed metrics on how people consume podcasts because... Podcasting ostensibly is limited to the download. Okay. And for the most part, nobody knows what happens to a podcast after it's downloaded. The only way 
you can know things like, well, how long did someone actually listen to an episode is if they are using a service that is streaming only. So Stitcher is an example. Google Play Music is an example where they're listening in the app to a stream and the software can track when they you know, skip forward or if they just stop listening at a certain point or they stop listening and come back. And in the case of, say, iTunes, the iOS podcast app, Overcast, Downcast, a great number of other podcast consumption applications, it's simply a matter of the app downloads the episode, even if it's technically a stream, it's still a download in progressive form. And in that case... The app, if it has a user agent configured, which most of those I just mentioned will, and most of the good ones do, will report back to the server, you know, that's keeping track of the downloads, what the application was that downloaded the file, but then that's all the information that we know. We don't know if that file was ever actually listened to, for how long, if parts of it were skipped over, etc., And there are a number of groups out there that would like to get that data. And this (laughs) ties back into the walled garden thing because what they want to do is they, they want the download part to really go away and just let everything stream all the time into infinity because that gives them the control over those consumption metrics. And... This is probably what podcasting's future looks like, but it's going to be years away, and we're not going to see a massive shift in this in 2017. It'll still continue to be an outlying thing, at least from my read on things, and it'll grow more over time, and as the bandwidth infrastructure continues to expand and people aren't worried about data caps and hopefully have access to you know, reliable wireless data outside of urban areas, et cetera. You know, Which we, we is may a challenge see, right now. We mm-hmm. may see a, a changeover on that, but it's not there yet. And there's still a lot of people who have to rely on downloading and then taking it with them. And I realize that in a post YouTube world and a post everything else world that we're in, that that seems very anachronistic, but it's how podcasting still works for the majority of users and will continue to work for a while. And another thing that uh, Dave Van Dyke mentions here in his article is he says technology like um, auto radio that automatically curates uh, audio streams of podcasts and audio news based on a listener's interest. Uh, This allows each audio broadcast slash podcast to be relevant, compelling, and entertaining. Uh, that alone could simplify podcast search to boost listener engagement. And we've written a number of times about Otto. I think Otto we is have, doing yeah. some interesting stuff. And I'm not sure if they're owned. I, I think that they're owned outright by Uber, but they're definitely tied into Uber. And, you know, they they are doing some interesting things. But I don't think, I mean, nobody thinks right now 
I really believe that if you got a room of, you know, 10, 20 people and you asked all of them to, to just name off the top of their head, just, just name, you, 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 you give them pieces of paper because if they, if they speak out loud, you know, then they would contaminate the results. Mm, but if okay, you just gave yeah. everybody a piece of paper and said, just write down five podcast apps off the top of your head, I don't think most people would reply with Otto. And one of them is going to write down on the paper, what is a podcast? Well, I'm assuming that you our, our sample <laughs> now if you, group... If you weed that group out, then... I'm assuming that our sample group are people that are at least listening to podcasts, mm-hmm. maybe they're not producing them, but... Otto, as cool as it may be, and I know that they're actively working to make it better and all this kind of stuff, it hasn't had the kind of, you know, mainstream acceptance of a podcasting app that certainly iTunes, Overcast, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, Stitcher, etc. have had. Well, yeah. So they they may be amazing, but... It's not going to budge the needle in any direction in a noticeable way unless there are a lot of people that are using it. And I think one thing that we can say about podcasting is it generally takes a long time for something that's new to even pick up a small percentage of the overall pie in terms of where people are consuming podcasts. So I don't know, Jen, if you have any other thoughts on this yeah, article. Um, the concept we're talking about here, you know, they're they're specifically pointing at Auto Radio, who's doing a curated thing. Mm. But the concept seems to be, oh, well, if you could just create this thing that people could look at and have, you know, based on their own interests, you're going to have them find stuff that's relevant, relevant, compelling, and entertaining, and this will boost listener engagement. I think they're looking at it the wrong way around because whether or not you're listening to a podcast has more to do with things like how much time do you have in your day that you can do this in? You know, do you have a two hour long commute? You're probably listening to more podcasts than someone that like, you know, drives to work and takes 15 minutes or something like that. You know, yeah, that type of thing. You know, what's your day to day life like? You know, do you have like, you know, time you can sit and listen to podcasts and I think if you do, if you've got plenty of time to go through as many podcasts as you want, you know, you're the guy that commutes two hours or whatever. Um, you're the person that, you know, is listening to podcasts while cleaning your house or, you know, regularly, you know, this kind of thing. You're going to find stuff that you like on your own. Yeah. You don't need someone to curate that for you. You know, this isn't like, I don't know, this isn't Pinterest. I mean, you know, <laughs> podcasting is not Pinterest. You don't need like to click on one thing and have 12 others pop up for you. You know what you want. You know how to find them. At the very least, I think everyone knows how to find iTunes, you know? Yeah. And you kind of know that sort of thing. Now, if if I pick, like, okay, if I listen to, um, I mentioned two brown girls, if I'm listening to that through one of these, you know, let's say some kind of curated system or something like that, it's going to show me a bunch of other things that it thinks is similar to that show, which may or may not be. You know, and whether or not I go, oh, that's awesome. I shall listen to all of them. Depends on how much time I have in my life to listen to podcasts. I might be interested in all of them, but I might not have the ability to listen. And some people like we were talking about, they don't have Internet at home, you know, (laughs) 
They got to download it, listen yeah. to it, that kind of thing. Sure. That's going to prevent you from listening to more podcasts. And I don't think you can say, well, if we just show them where it is, it'll cause more engagement and more listening. There's a lot of real life factors to consider. Yeah, it's not an automatic in the world of podcasting apps, I guess. Unlike Field of Dreams, it's not an automatic that if you build it, they will come. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Um, I still think that as hopeful as certain uh, people have been in the space about things changing in some of the ways that uh, Dave Van Dyke is leaning towards here, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think it's going to happen next year. But uh, I don't know. Maybe um, some major thing will happen and we'll all be surprised. Uh, Jen, I guess it's possible. We've had major things happen that surprised everybody a lot lately. So, I mean, (laughs) anything could happen. (laughs) That is true. Mm -hmm. Jen, what is the last uh, article? Okay, so the last article is a very short one from TV News Tech. And it's written by Michael Depp. It is titled Behind Scripts Podcasting Bet which sounds like they're making a bet on something here. And um, I'm trying to sort out exactly what it was they're betting on. Um, Let me see if I can figure that out. Because I I skimmed through this and I was kind of like, well, wait, who did they make a bet with? What did they bet it on? Is the title telling me something that I'm misinterpreting? I think that that what they're really focusing on is scripts, acquisitions of both mid-roll and stitcher. Ah, okay. Because but that's uh, not new. It's not new, but I I'm guessing that on a website like this, TV News Check, which is probably very industry focused and probably has a lot of people from that industry reading it, who are probably at least semi familiar with scripts because it's a very okay. established media company. And I, I and think they you're might right see about... this for the first time and go, "Oh, scripts is into this podcasting thing. What is it? And why do they care?" And he kind of breaks down. Uh, you know, the the business that they're doing through advertising and why it is that they chose to acquire mid-roll and then Stitcher and, and what they're going to do with it. Okay, and I think you're right about this being an industry thing because, you know, well, it's called, you know, TV News Check, which could be anything. It says the business of broadcasting and over yeah. to the side is a huge section of links for media jobs. So this is definitely an insider kind of thing, you know, someone that's in the industry. The, the punch but, out here might be this. Larger advertisers like NBC, Exxon, Wendy's, and Coors are now joining pioneering marketers uh, like MailChimp in the space in terms of advertising on podcasts, which I haven't heard any of those advertising podcasts. I have not, but I'm clearly but listening I'm to the wrong not shows. listening to the shows that are advertising uh, them apparently. And uh, they, or maybe they they're quote, planning on it and haven't gotten there yet. I don't know. Yeah, they quote the mid-roll CEO here, uh, who says that part of the draw is that podcasting offers a different form of native advertising in the form of host-read ads. So I See, that's not new either, though. I no. mean, you know, that was the thing when advertising first started getting into podcasting. It was, you know, here, read this, you know? Well, and that was something that I think has allowed podcasting to stand apart from other mediums because it allows the hosts of the show to really connect with the thing that they're promoting in terms of how they pitch it to the audience and some shows are a lot better about this than others yeah well it depends again on how well the product or service you are reading an ad for on your show 
connects with what your listeners like. Yeah. Or want or need. There's another quote here. Um, direct response guys are basing everything on promo codes and lift, uh, which is measured directly. Uh, if podcasting weren't working at the quoted audience size and CPM, uh, they simply wouldn't renew. And he's using that as a way to kind of back up that, hey, this does actually work. And maybe our CPMs are higher than what you might expect for other mediums in terms of ad buys, but they work. So that's why we can charge that. That's an interesting and, view over on an industry thing, because if we go back to the article from Digiday, why branded podcasting could more than double in 2017, that one, there's a quote in there towards the end. Let's see if I can find exactly where that went. Um, from uh, Lex Freeman, the chief revenue officer at Midroll, and he said, I don't think every single advertiser in the world needs its own show. And he goes on to say, a lot of brands are interested and fewer are interested when we start talking about the dollars and cents. Well, and in that case, I think what he's talking about is he's talking about the cost of, of what, making a whole podcast exactly. around your thing. But I mean, I don't know. Like, I think it worked for GE. I mean, <laughs> we're sitting here talking mm -hmm. about GE shows because of that, you know. But um, I don't know. It just seems like if not every pod, if not every brand needs its own podcast, does every brand really need to be on a podcast? <laughs> you know. Well, the people that are quoted in a lot of the articles we've read today believe they should be. <laughs> let's let's leave it at that. Well, I get that, but if I'm looking at it as a listener, you yeah. know, yeah, what do listeners want? That's what they need to figure well, out. Well, you know, that's great that you said that. And I was thinking about that earlier. And I know I've heard on a number of podcasts, Rob Walsh from Libsyn has said, you know, he goes to these different conferences and stuff. And he's always talking to people that want to either, you know, fix the discoverability problem in podcasting or they want to, you know, build the app that's going to. Uh, give the the companies all the tools and metrics and everything they want and, you know, what are his thoughts on it? And he always says, you know what? This is all irrelevant if you don't start from the listener's perspective exactly. and work their way back. Because right now, this idea that podcasting is broken doesn't really compute because plenty of people are listening to podcasts and there's a variety of ways that they can do it. And plenty of and people are making podcasts with no problem at all. I mean, they may not have like the biggest audience ever, but they're, you know, it's pretty simple to start one. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, you don't need a lot of stuff. You might not be the most popular one in the world from episode one, you know, unless you have a celebrity on there. But, um, you know, I don't feel like podcasting is broken. And I really do think that if all of these people that are trying to sell ads really, truly want to make, you know, some effect... They need to, like, do any of these people listen to podcasts on their own? You know, that's my first question, because Probably not. if they did, then they would notice the difference between, um, you know, how jarring it is to have an ad cut in at an improper time in right. the middle of a sentence compared to having Dyn someone read it. You know, they might notice Dynamic the difference between ad insertion. Yeah. That's you another know. thing they love. Yeah. And if that cuts it, like if I'm listening to a podcast and I think other podcast listeners have had this happen, I've seen this happen on, I can't remember what 
like it was a live streaming service. I can't remember which one it was. I was watching a podcast on and it was uh, it was an audio cast. It didn't it had a little bit of video involved. And every so often, whatever this system was, would throw an ad in on top of everything. So in the middle of the host sentence, you'd have this ad with video and audio breaking it up and you'd have to come back in and be like, What did I miss? You know, like that doesn't work, you know. So, I mean, what we need is for some of these people saying, you know, you need all this other, everyone needs an ad and this is how you need to do it. And everyone should have their ad in a podcast. You need to teach these people like, okay, you need to find a podcast that actually matches with what you're selling. For one thing, you need to find a way to do it. Like people are not coming to shows because they want to hear ads. Just like we go to Netflix so that we don't have to watch commercials. You know what I mean? We avoid the ads. If you want to make the ad interesting enough for us to listen to, you got to do something like GE, but you got to do it right. You know, and you can't just throw a bunch of ads at people and expect that it'll stick. You know, I, I agree. You know, I mean, like you could put a bunch of commercials and they do on like regular TV. There's a bunch of commercials and very little time for the show you came to see. No one watches the commercials. They get up, they go to the bathroom, they get some food, you know, they do that kind of stuff. They'll watch the Super Bowl commercials, but they're actually really there for the Super Bowl. (laughs) You know what I mean? Most people. Um, And it's just, it just seems to me like a lot of the stuff about how to fix podcasting is coming from people who don't listen to it. You know, they don't listen to podcasts. They don't make their own podcasts. They don't really have an interest in podcasting itself, but they want to find this way to fix it so that they can make money off of something they don't care about. This probably sounds extremely rude, but this is my perception as someone who it, doesn't and has never been involved in business, all. you know? I just think it's not it's not what they want to hear. And this gets back to what I was saying earlier from, you know, what what Rob Walsh was saying, which is you need if you really want your podcast thing that's going to fix podcasting to actually succeed and be used by more than a small group of people then it needs to be designed for the listeners first and then work back and figure out all the ad stuff and all the business stuff and all the metrics. And generally speaking, no one does that. Well, they should. So, okay, free idea for anyone in business that's, like, involved in this. How's about you go do some, uh, you know, get together some groups of people that are, like, avid podcast listeners and ask them what they think about advertisement and podcasting. It'll probably be really enlightening. That would be a wise idea. Yeah. And uh, with that wisdom, I think we'll close out the show unless you have any more thoughts, Jim. No, no, I think that's it. Thank you for listening. This has been Podcaster News Show. You can find us at podcasternews.com. And uh, we'd love your feedback there. And uh, who knows, maybe if uh, I can kick Todd Cochran enough this year, we'll get the uh, old Podcaster News Twitter account back online or some other functions that might make it a little easier for everybody to interact with us. But you can always go there and leave a comment or... Uh, if you can find us on all the social media places, then uh, you can contact us that way too. So thank you again for listening. And uh, with any luck, we'll be back with you in a couple weeks. Bye, people.